Alright, everybody, welcome back into Monday Fresh Edition of the Concrete Jungle, a New York baseball podcast. I am Paul Russo, coming to you guys live from fairlakes1.com studios, third floor, North Park building. Across from me today, once again, is Kyle Evans. Uh, Kyle, how's, how'd your weekend go? I know a uh, big, exciting weekend for you overall in the grand scheme of things congratulations on your move thank you yeah it went pretty well um i mean it was pretty smooth uh actually happened pretty quickly mm-hmm. but yeah overall i'm pretty excited yeah. for it. that's awesome anyway um so yeah um nate Sharman, our usual producer again out today should be back thursday so nate hope you're doing well getting a little bit healthier as the day goes on and days go on um yeah so the exciting part, I suppose, really about um, baseball early season is you you don't know what type of headlines you really get. Um, could be any plethora of of any given thing, and um, unfortunately for the Yankees, it's not been ideal. For the Mets, it's been pretty good so far, and then uh, locally speaking, uh, a little bit of the same thing. You know, for Rochester, certainly a lot of positives. And for, for Syracuse, uh, not not a ton of positives either uh, going on there. I know um, we'll, we'll talk more about it, I guess, a little bit um, as as we as we move into some portions of different things. But you know, you mentioned uh, off off air, Kyle. We we discussed things a little bit, right? Syracuse Mets are off to a, a potential historic start for all the wrong reasons. Um, you know, through the eleven games, they're one in ten so far. Um, they I'll go ahead and get this set out of the way. That they haven't won since in over a week since April 9th, so um, well over a week. Um, so it, it's been an interesting uh, case so far for them, I'd say. Yeah, I don't think it really could start much worse than that. I mean, they're actually even lucky to have one win, right? Because uh, uh, if it wasn't for a Scranton error uh, like a week ago, they probably wouldn't have a win yet. True. Yeah, you're probably looking at about 0 and 11. Yep. Um, but. Um, yeah, it it was a fun. It really was a fun weekend of baseball in the grand scheme of things. Not not just Yankees and Mets or Red Wings and, and S Mets, but um, Jackie it, Robinson it, Day. Yeah, Jackie Robinson Day on Friday, um, which um, obviously I'm always happy with recognize them. I think there's a lot of, um, and of course, this is definitely a discussion for a different podcast, but certainly certainly. Um, he he's being used for a lot of marketing tools now at this point by the MLB, and um, I think the history of Jackie Robinson certainly has become diluted, in a sense. But like I said, it's a different different podcast for a different different day, probably overall. So, um, yeah, let's jump in. What well, I think you know, I was, I was on the fence about how I really wanted to start the podcast today. Do I go negative? Do I go positive? I think we're gonna go ahead and start. On the positives, Kyle, actually. I like it. So we're going to go, we're gonna start the Mets, take the series against the Diamondbacks. Uh, obviously, the Diamondbacks, maybe not the greatest team this year. But, you know, that being said, certainly had um, certainly have do have some names on that team to keep an eye on. Obviously, like a guy like Catal Marte. Um, Seth Beer. Seth Beer, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Dalton, Var- Dalton Varsho, who... 
one of the top prospects in the game a couple years ago, I don't think has panned out quite as they had hoped, but you never know. Young, young career, and he came up. Obviously, um, he might be one of the lost prospects because of the COVID shortened year and stuff like that. Either way, uh, but the Mets uh, now officially 7-3, first place still in the NL East uh, through the weekend. Start with Friday, Mets taking a 10-3 victory on Jagger Robinson Day. Mets opening day, home opening day for them. Chris Bassett taking the win. Uh, Zach Davies taking the loss for Arizona. And really, this was um, pretty much the, the coming out party for, for Lindor and, and Starling Marte for the year. Uh, Lindor, two for three, two home runs, three RBIs, and a stolen base. Uh, Marte had a home run, three RBIs, three runs, and a stolen base for there. So, you know, obviously I've, I've said in this podcast, I really do feel like Marte is from a – sense of your what you want out of a center fielder for their abilities and in in raw whatever he's in my mind the best pure center fielder in the game uh, they haven't been using him as a center fielder every now and then which is interesting but um look when his bat gets going he he's about as good of a hitter you can have in the big leagues he really is um to <laughs> to quote to quote my days from being back at college in erie in western pennsylvania it's a Marte Parte. Um, so uh, when he was with Pittsburgh, obviously, and uh, it, it's cool seeing him, uh, in my mind, in a big market now because he really was a bit of a cult player in a way uh, coming into the year. Uh, obviously obviously with Pittsburgh, then to Miami and Oakland, um, obviously not the biggest markets in the world. If anything, Pittsburgh was probably the biggest market out of all of them in a weird sense, uh, but that's just a very big baseball-savvy community. And now comes to the Mets. I feel like this is a, a very <laughs> – he had a welcome-out party this weekend in Queens. And, look, uh, to, to the bigger side of media, and maybe this is how he gets more recognized throughout the nation as a whole, athletic, athletically speaking, uh, this is what you can expect from him on a night-in, night-out basis for the most part. Yeah, <clears throat> he's got way more eyes on him right now in New York. And, I mean, the home opener went really well, and he showed to the fans that, you know, I think he's going to have a good year. Mm-hmm. So, um, obviously, uh, I know we talked a little bit off air about this. Uh, Lindor, uh, like I mentioned, he, especially on, on Friday, had a good game, two for three, two home runs. Um, the key part of maybe that infield to a degree, I don't think he's the main cog, but obviously shortstop, premium position as a whole in the big leagues uh we know what Lindor can do with his glove and obviously with his bat and uh, good to see him kind of get going a little bit obviously too one of the, one of the quote-unquote good guys in the MLB um for the most part depends depends who you ask in, in Cleveland but um I don't think there was much he could have really done there in the long run to make it any better or, or less worse I suppose uh you know, we're we're going to talk on this a little bit when we when we get to the preview part of the Mets, but I do want to bring it up here, obviously, for his performance within the game. But Chris Bassett, uh, this was a guy that the Yankees did target as well, um, coming off a horrific, about as horrific an injury as you can have as a pitcher with a comebacker to the head last year. Um, you know, probably the worst outside of maybe blowing out your arm as a pitcher, right? Yep. So uh, we know what he can do. Uh, was probably Oakland's ace last year. Um, and now certainly making a case that, you know, maybe not the ace in New York, just given what you have with Scherzer and DeGrom when he's healthy, but um, 
you know, top ball rotation of aces, and he he certainly adds to that equation. Six, went six innings, only gave up two hits and an earned run, but six strikeouts. Again, uh, just a really great performance by Chris Bassett, who now sits on the year with just a .75 ERA at the moment. Yeah, he's actually uh, pitched very well, and without DeGrom, you kind of wondered, like, how would that Mets pitching staff be, even though they have Scherzer? And, I mean, I think it's been pretty solid. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're 7-3, and three, they continue to pitch well, and... I think they're heading in a really good direction. So Saturday was the only loss the Mets did have on the weekend. Um, lost three to two. Sean Poppin for the Diamondbacks picked up the win. This was a bullpen decision game for that. Uh, former Yankee Julius Rodriguez took the loss for the Mets, uh, and then uh, Mark Melanson picks up his first save on the year for the Diamondbacks. Always uh, like mentioning a former Yankee legend when we can. Uh, you know, top performers still nonetheless. I, I I really did. You know, again, Marte had a home run on Saturday and two RBIs. Uh, pretty much, he generated the offense in that sense. But uh, Jeff McNeil had went did go two for three. Uh, pretty much from the leadoff spot there. <clears throat> uh, Cookie Carrasco, no decision. Five inning pitch. Only gave up three hits and had eight strikeouts. So obviously, again, the starting pitching for the Mets really just kind of showing what they can do and he was also um, kind of a question mark coming right. into the year you didn't know, really know mm-hmm. what you were going to get from him and early on he's like really solid yeah I mean um this was a guy that in, in Cleveland we we knew what we had out of him unfortunately he did have the cancer scare it and got healthy and, and beat cancer and since then has has slowly built himself back up um this is a guy who uh, it's weird because uh, I don't think we necessarily ever thought of him in Cleveland as a, as the workhorse type to get you, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, seven innings and give up three runs or anything like that. But um, so far, the first couple starts here of the season, he, he has shown kind of, I guess, the old ways of him where it's he goes the seven innings but gives up none. Now, mind you, he, he only went five innings this time around. Mm-hmm. That being said, I mean, I, this was about as good of a line as a pitcher as you could as you could get, in my opinion. Yeah, and pitch counts are really still a factor early right. on in April. So, I mean, maybe as you know, we get uh, deeper into the season, you know, he can maybe go a little longer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's looked pretty good. All right, and then uh, yesterday Sunday, Mets take obviously the rubber match and take the series five nothing over Arizona. Former Yankee legend. Jason Shreve picks up the win for the Mets. Um, gets his first one of your loss goes to Noe Ramirez. Uh, again, you know, I, I, I mentioned this Thursday, and we you talked about Kyle, about how um, David Peterson, who came up, got rocked as a starter last year, um, is now finding his footing, though, in this bullpen slash. I, I think they really end up using him as this flex starter role. It's kind of what he fell into on Sunday. Goes four and a third, gave up three hits, had four strikeouts, but that's what you kind of needed out of him for that. Obviously, you know, we discussed Sunday how how it was going to be a little bit of a question mark what the Mets were going to do on Sunday, um, where, they, where they were going to kind of fit in to the rotation of it. And he kind of steps up, does the flex deal. This was supposed to be Ty Walker's spot in the rotation. Um, does the job and... and Look, he, he kept the Diamondbacks at bay, and obviously the whole pitching staff did the whole day. Um, other than that, Pete Alonso had a homer and two RBIs. Eduardo Escobar, two for three, a double, a walk, and a run. So, uh, look, I, the Mets offense all weekend had different guys stepping up when they needed to at different points for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and look, we've been banging the drum on this uh, since podcast number one, you know, opening day. Um, this Mets team is probably going to be the better of the two teams in the city of New York. And, um, you know, moving forward through last week, you know, we talked about how, you know, if anything, their bullpen is their, is their spot. But this was, you know, a very good series all around for, for the Mets. And um, if, like I said, obviously the bullpen's probably going to be where they need to step up a little bit, probably go out and get some outside help for that. Uh, but look, their their bullpen kept the Diamondbacks at bay all weekend. And look, I, I understand the Diamondbacks aren't a good team or not as good as, you know, the Mets or anything like that. But that being said, this is a, a very good shot in the arm confidence-wise, in my mind, for that bullpen uh because, look, I mean, I think you look at, you know, the big leagues, they, they might kind of laugh at a guy like Chasen Shreve, who has had, in my mind, a very good under-the-radar career in the big leagues. Um, doesn't overpower you. He's, not to say he's a soft-throwing lefty, but he's a crafty lefty. Like Nestor uh, Cortez. Right, right. I was going to say in the, the bullpen scenario, maybe more for Oliver Perez. Yep. Uh, but, who, by the way, is still kicking with Arizona. I don't know if the grand scheme of people under, knew that. I mean, former Met and Yankee, <laughs> uh, Alfred Perez. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is this is about, like I said, I mean, this this has been about as solid a 10-game start as you could have at a big league level, in my opinion. Yep. Their fans should be pretty pretty happy with the start, and so should the players. Mm-hmm. So, um, looking, I guess, also at some other stuff here for the Mets, um so it, it's interesting because I think we're going to end up kind of forgetting about this kind of going forward with this team. Um, and this isn't a knock on, say, Louis Rojas or anybody from the old staff. I, I think um, I do think they caught a lot of unnecessary flack overall, um, especially given that they were kind of – they were pretty much shoehorned in last minute given – the Astro scandal with Beltron. I mean, Beltron was the, the name of the manager going into 2020, and and they opted to go a different direction, obviously post-Astro scandal and news. But it, it's just so – you can tell early on just the culture change that, that Buck has brought in. And, look, there are still some guys from the old regime within that team and with on that bench – uh, but that being said, you got it, it's a different bench, right? Overall, I mean, look at for instance the hitting coach in, in Eric Chavez, former big leaguer, former All Star big leaguer, very good player, was going to go with the Yankees, but changed his mind and goes to the Mets. And and look, I I think um, this Mets offense kind of look. I mean, they treaded water last year, to be honest. And now look at the the hot starts that they've had. I mean, Pete Alonso looks like pretty much rookie year Pete Alonso at this point. And you know, it, I think it, it's it's going to get lost. I think within this year, for the most part, the culture change and how much of a difference early on, at least Buck Showalter and his and his staff are are doing and showing within this team. Yeah, um, I think Showalter was a very good hire for the Mets and. Um... You know they're off to a really good start, and I honestly think they're going to keep up the the winning. I think they're going to be a playoff team. I'm not sure how far they can get, but if the pitching continues, you mm-hmm. know, to perform like they are, I think they can make a run. Yeah, and 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 it's big because look, I, I 
when when they're in sync like they were this weekend in my mind they they really are the best team in baseball i mean hands down um and it's it's interesting because they also had brandon nimmo who has been the best outfielder in the game so far this year out this weekend with covid um they they were minus a couple different guys because of it and they were no worse to wear for it i mean they just weren't you just I, didn't even notice yeah. really I think Dom Smith was also out with it yep. or because of close contact. So, um, look, I mean, they're just – they're they're going to be good. I I, I, I think it's – it's – I know some will it's, say it's – It's weird how ebbs and flows in New York. It really is. Not too often. And, and obviously the Mets' history is very short in the grand scheme of things compared to the Yankees. Uh, but when the Mets have been good, the Yankees tend to not be good and vice versa. Very – very rarely is there the overlap of where they're both good. I mean, you had the late 90s where they were both good. Um, you had the little bit of like the mid-2000s where they were, both were good, but never, I guess, really the true title contenders. Um, but really outside of that, I mean, it's usually completely opposite storylines for the most part. Yeah, <clears throat> and some will say that, you know, it's early on mm-hmm. in the season. I mean, it is, but really you can just see the direction they're headed in, and I, I really do believe the Mets will be a playoff team. Yeah. Oh, hands down. I, 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 I think it's, you know, early on it's their division. I think, you know, I think I might have said Phillies just to win on, on, on the other, my other podcasts that, that I discussed things on. But, um, you, look, I, it, it's tough to go against them right now. I mean, yeah. it's just not. Um, let's take a look at what the Mets have on deck. They open a four-game set at City Field tonight with the Giants. Um, this is a – about as good a pitching matchup across four games that you can get, period. Um, so all the games are on SNY. Get that out of the way first and foremost. Um, so tonight at 7-10, Alex Cobb, he's 1-0 on the year, 3.60 ERA for the Giants against Trevor Magill, or Taylor Magill, 2-0. Clean ERA, 0.00 ERA for Magill. Um Certainly, probably the very nicest of surprises so far for the Mets, in my opinion. Got the opening day start. Uh, certainly not who you'd expect to be the opening day ace to go out there and get it going, but has he got it going so far for the Mets so far? Tomorrow night, Tuesday, seven ten. Logan Webb, one and zero, one point two nine ERA against Max Scherzer, two and zero, three point two seven ERA. Uh, that's going to be a fun matchup. Logan, Wall- Logan Webb's been a very fun reclamation project for the Giants over the past couple of years. Um, obviously, we know what Scherzer can do. <laughs> yep. Wednesday, 7-10, Carlos Rodon for the Giants, 1-0, 1.50 ERA against Chris Bassett, 2-0, and 0.75 ERA. Uh, that's going to be a really fun matchup against with pretty much two of the better younger pitchers in the league that obviously you know we mentioned Bassett. Uh, but Rodon gets kind of forgotten about in the shuffle here. I mean, he he ended up having a really good first half of the year last year for the White Sox. Um, kind of cooled down at the second half of the year post-All-Star break, but very good pitcher. Um, you know, not to make this comp for Giants fans because I don't think they really want it, but he reminds me a lot of Barry Zito in essence. Um, I think I might be kind of dating that for you a little bit there, Kyle, but um, I remember Barry Zito being the big towering ace for the A's goes to the Giants. Uh, things didn't exactly pan out the way they were supposed to, but still end up having a very fantastic career <clears throat> in the Bay. Uh, obviously, I think you hope Rodon's a little bit better than that, but um, nonetheless. 
And then Thursday, seven or uh, rather one ten getaway day game. Anthony DiScalfani, uh, 0-0 on the year, 4.32 ERA against Cookie Carrasco, uh, also 0-0, but 0.84 ERA. Yeah, you're right. This is going to be a very good, uh, very good pitching matchups, and mm-hmm. I don't know, could there be a split? I think so. I think there might be a split. All right. So uh, obviously, with uh, with that going on, because the Giants are. Well, Giants are probably either the second or the toughest team they've faced so far. Yeah. Um, Phillies, I think it's a toss-up, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, you mentioned this is going to be – I think it's either going to be a split or a 3-1 series win for the Mets, though. I I think tonight's matchup is going to be – I got the Mets tonight. Yeah, I'd like to think so. But at some point, Mayall's got going to give up a run. Unfortunately, I don't know. Either way, all right. Let's go. Let's uh, jump on over to uh, to the Yankees. Uh, they they blew the series in Baltimore. Just to put it bluntly. Um, that being said, uh, let's touch on that Thursday game though. Uh, they did have one final one against Toronto. Um, Severino. Yeah, 3-0 win. Severino picking up the win. Kevin Gosman picking up the loss. And then Michael King got the save. So, uh, First career save, by the way. Yes. Yeah, so interesting stuff kind of happening behind the scenes in the bullpen, I'd say, for the Yankees. And he's been very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, King, King's been a nice pro, uh, prospect to kind of see come up over the past now year and a half. Um, but we'll touch on this as we kind of get get to the Baltimore stuff as well. Um, obviously, Severino went five innings, two hits, six strikeouts. Connor Falaifa, three for three, uh, double and two runs scored. Then Jose Trevino, two for three and two RBIs on Thursday. So, excellent job uh, by uh, you know a couple of guys. Obviously, brought over in the off season. Trevino, um, certainly the backup catcher role, but I think he's trying to make a case to be the starter at this point. Yeah, and certainly understandable. Uh, the offense, he, he look, he's he's certainly swinging a better stick. Than, than Higgy right now. Um, I think Higgy obviously is a tick better defensively than Trevino, but, um, I mean, he's he's making his case to, to be the primary catcher. I got a feeling Higashioka is going to lose some playing time here mm-hmm. soon. I mean, again, yesterday, he just, he just looks lost. Right. So, and then moving on to Friday, now we get into the Baltimore series. Yankees drop Friday night 2-1. to one, uh, Win for Baltimore going to Joey Crabile. Uh, and then loss going to Clark Schmidt in eleven innings. Yeah, that was a tough, tough loss. That was a, a tough one to swallow. Uh, Gumby, Jordan Montgomery looked really good. Uh, nonetheless, I know we obviously were worried about him coming out uh, after taking the comeback or off the knee on Sunday last Sunday. Uh, no decision, five innings pitched, three hits and two strikeouts. So looked very good nonetheless. Uh, pretty typical Montgomery stat line with that. Um, you know, obviously building up the strength for him kind of moving forward. And he didn't deserve a no decision. Right. But right. the offense has been brutal. So. Right. So, and this is where we go, though, at this point. So Stanton, three for five with an RBI, but uh, the, the two the two other at-bats with two strikeouts for him. Uh, I could care less, I guess, about that. I mean, he, his, his bats showed up when it needed to show up, and they just couldn't do anything really with it for the most part. And then Higashioka won for three with the double. Um, Just his third hit. Yeah, this is going to be a bit of a theme here throughout this series, uh, kind of moving forward with it. Saturday, the only win on the series for the Yankees, 5-2. 
Uh, J.P. Sears picks up the win. Travis Laskin Sr. picks up the loss for Baltimore. And then, again, first career save, this time for Clay Holmes. And first career win for J.P. Sears. Yeah, and then gets optioned. But something, again, we'll touch on with that. Sunday, 5-0 victory yesterday for Baltimore. Jorge Lopez picking up the win. Jonathan Loisaga picks up the loss. Probably left in a little bit too longer than he should have been. Yeah. Uh, your top performers with that, obviously, we mentioned Nestor Cortez already off the jump a little bit. No decision, five innings pitched, three hits, 12 strikeouts, and an immaculate inning. DJ LeMay, who went two for three with a walk. Uh, and that's pretty much it for the Yankees in that one. Uh, in the series, and here we can really jump on in, the Yankees were held scoreless. They were shut out in 26 of a possible 29 innings played. So... There's a lot to digest here. Uh, I want to talk and give justifiably some time to Nestor Cortez. Uh, about as good of a game as you could ever ask for a guy in a career game for him. Uh, this is a guy who has been a bit of a cult hero for us Yankee fans. Um, 12 strikeouts, immaculate inning. I only had someone that we ever expected from Nestor Cortez. No. Um, when I heard that it was an immaculate inning, I was like, I, I had to go back to make sure they were right. I didn't realize how efficient he was in the, that fourth inning. I mean, he was just literally – you could just tell out there that he was just feeling it. He just kept throwing it and hitting the zone and hitting the zone. It was actually very fun to watch. But at the same point, I just knew how bad the Yankees' offense was. And I just felt bad for him because, you know, that good of a game, you want to get a win. And, I mean, he didn't get a, he didn't get a win. And mm. the bullpen ended up giving, you know, five runs uh, – giving up five runs in the eighth. Yeah, so not the best. Um, it's it's tough. I mean, it it's tough when your offense just does not show up and do what it needs to do. Um, and it puts more pressure on you know the pitching staff, even right. the bullpen, because they know that <clears throat> one or two mistakes and you know they're they're probably done for right. with how bad the offense is. So. And now let's move into the offense. So we'll start with J.P. Sears. And so he gets the win, and he has a really good day out of the bullpen. Uh, gets option to Scranton, and they call up Tim LaCastro um, to get the start in left field for Joey Gallo yesterday. Gallo, uh, one of the players who just is not playing well right now. Um, and I know there was uh, discussion around, well, why would they do this? Well, clearly they're trying – more or less, I think, to light fires under people. Um, that being said, I, I'm not a big fan of the move they did with J.P. Sears. Um, you know, I, 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 to me, to me, to me, from knowing how the knowing from the coaching side of things and the playing side of things, that, that can just kill momentum mm -hmm. um, and confidence. More importantly, for a guy like J.P. Sears. Um, you know, that being said, I do understand the thought in it, the thought process behind it. Um, you know, the Yankees do have guys at AAA, whether it is LoCastro, obviously, who played, who has big league time. I mean, very good big league player. Um, and then you also have guys like, you know, we mentioned last week about Ryan uh, Lamari. He's down there as well. Um, and people keep mentioning Miguel Andujar, but yeah, he can't because he's not an outfielder. Yeah, and um, he doesn't provide speed like right. LoCastro does. Yeah. You know, so I think my main problem goes back to this, the, the timing of it. 
And this is where I think people kind of really started yesterday with the the Aaron Boone, you know, discussion. And I, I, I and look, this is something that I've been saying. I, I, I can't put all of this on Boone. Boone is more or less just the yes man at this point for Cashman and Hal and, and the front office. So I wasn't a big fan of the move. I, I understood the thought process behind it. I just I'm not a big fan of it. Yeah, and people don't understand. Just because Aaron Boone has the manager title next to his name mm-hmm. does not mean that every decision that is made is just made by him. He asks, you know, opinions from so many different people or different people tell him, you know, different stuff on what he should do with the lineups, you know, resting guys. But people just think because he's the manager that they, the decisions are all on him. He doesn't just make the decisions by himself. And that's what people just fail to understand. Like, yeah, he writes out the lineup, and yeah, he probably gives his thoughts on the lineup, but he's also got other people giving their opinions and stuff on it. And I just don't think people ever understand that. Mm. So I just wanted to, you know, clear that up a little bit. Yeah, and I do agree with this point as well. I think this part's a fair criticism as well here. And again, this part goes back to I don't think this is as much on Boone as people think. Having three different lineups come out against Baltimore is borderline inexcusable to me. Yep. Um and sitting it's, Aaron Judge Friday yeah, night. Yeah, and then sitting Rizzo yesterday, off day today. Um, it's yeah. I I there there's a lot of question marks at this point surrounding this team. Obviously, we mentioned start of the year, pretty much a team at a crossroads. Um, how much of this core will remain, and how much won't? You you just don't see other teams do what the yeah. Yankees do. Like you don't just hear all these different star players getting rusted mm-hmm. every six days, every eight days. It just they play a lot of games. But Yankees, it's a whole different story. And uh, this is something you mentioned off air, but we should bring it to light to a degree. Uh, this was a weekend where the AL East as a whole struggled, and this was the Yankees' prime exam- prime chance to take advantage of that, and they just yeah. did not. And I actually feel like they always get off to a slow start mm-hmm. in April. Even when in 2019, if I remember right, they got off to a slow start yeah. in April. It's just like they never get off to a good start. Mm-hmm. So it's tough to swallow. Um, it's you know, this is a team that you know the blocks have been there since 2017, and they just have not done anything with it. Um, and it's tough, you know. I, I was pro Boone. I thought Boone would be a very good managerial hire, and I thought for the first couple years he was. And now it's just pretty clear how the system is operating in place. I also don't I, I, I said, I, not to interrupt, I You're did good. say, you know, to some people preseason, like, why would Boone come back? I'm like, you don't understand. It, Boone's going to be there until Cashman's the one that gets canned because that's Cashman's guy. And it seems like yeah. that is. And it's not, it's not going to happen because Cashman and Hale are tight. Yep. Um, this is, you know, my, my brother jokingly said yesterday, George's got to be rolling over in the grave. Sure, but, but really the one rolling over the grave is probably Hank. Hank, who was the really the. the closer version of George who was the one and really before he died in the last one in twenty seventeen really hammering out and wanting to make the moves to to get back to winning a championship. Um this is we are we're entering what, the second longest title drought in Yankee history at this point. Um but why are people so surprised? Like everyone complained about how bad the off season was. Yeah. But then when the season starts they change their mind and thought that they were actually gonna be like really good like i think a lot of it has to do with the way say social media content kind of works um 
I think a lot of it is so we traded away Gary, and that was one of the big sticking points for a lot of fans. And so they saw it as, all right, well, now we can move on and be better when Gary was just a piece of that. Um, no matter how big or small it is, it's just a piece. Not not It's just a piece to the bigger issue at hand. And that's why when you have some of these teams that, you know, you look at them like Houston, for example, is the perfect example of they kind of just retool and readapt no matter who guys losing or guys going wherever, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you lose Correa, so now you bring in a younger guy like Siri, or I forget the name of the guy who is now playing the middle infield as well for him, who started off the year pretty good. Um, you know, that. Kyle Tucker ends up being good, so that you know puts Miles Straws, the guy, and the odd man out. But you can look at Houston; they they just adapt and retool and and stuff like that. Boston's kind of the same way in a way. I mean, they're in the process still of kind of retooling the pitching still, but you know they they kind of regenerate the offense a little bit. Obviously, they add Trevor Story, and you know they they kind of adapt and move on. I mean, the Yankees are still running. I don't have a problem with running with the court. The core core for any sport for any team is a big component of it, right? But that being said, you need the pieces around them, the ones that you take away or add in to to be cohesive enough and be good enough to do it. And it, simply put, it just has not been the case. Um, and if you go and ask Brian Cashman, yeah. he'll say, "Oh, this is a World Series team," and you know, we spent a lot of money. Well, of course he's going to say that. Yeah. He's the general manager. Yeah. What is he going to say? This team sucks. Right. Like, no. And and he's put on the facade again of of being close to Hal, so he becomes pretty much the puppet of what Hal wants him to say. And look, it's pretty well known that most of these owners at this point, they really just don't really care so much about the product on the field anymore. I mean, the joke is Baltimore is just a money laundering scheme disguised as a baseball team. And, and we lost to that this weekend. Um, yep. So that's tough. It, it's tough. Um, no matter which way, I guess, to, to put it. And then they were shut out, too, for the first time mm-hmm. against Baltimore since 2016. Yeah. Like, that yeah. just says right there how bad of a weekend right. it was to yeah. cap off the weekend. Um, yeah, three three runs across three games total, not good. Not – or six runs, rather. I apologize. But um, – yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, you shut out in 26 of 29 possible innings. Yeah. And look, you're not going to score every inning. I get that. I don't have a problem with that. I understand that. But, but it's the Orioles pitching yeah, staff. Yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, it's a pitching staff that is pretty much in a trial and error type basis with them trying to figure out which prospects at this point are good and which ones aren't. I mean, yeah, they do have a couple, you know, really solid relievers, but like mm-hmm. nothing where they should be getting shut out this many right. innings with right. that lineup, no less. They struggle. I mean, they struggle in Jordan Lyles of all people. So, yep. speaking of games, they're off today, travel day, and now they're got three games starting tomorrow in Detroit. Um, if there's any positive, it's pretty much the top end of the rotation for the Yankees, uh, but um, they'll be facing uh, pretty much the topish end for Detroit in essence. So tomorrow, uh, all the games are on yes this week uh, for these games anyway. So get that out of the way. Tomorrow, six forty. Uh, Garrett Cole, 0-0, still looking for the first win or loss on the year, I suppose, for that matter. 5.59 ERA against Tyro Anderson. Uh, still looking for his first decision on the year, 5.06 ERA. Uh, Alexander's been a nice little uh, interesting start to the year for Detroit. Supposed to be kind of your innings eater. And he's he's thrown pretty good overall. 
Uh, so that'll be an interesting game there. Detroit Detroit has been an interesting team overall, to be fair. So this is going to be a, uh, a a pretty interesting series in my mind. Yeah, they did just lose Javier Baez yeah. out of the injured list, mm-hmm. so that'll hurt a little bit. Uh, Wednesday, 640, Severino 1-0, 2.25 ERA against a guy that the Yankees know pretty well, Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, he's the only one on the year, 5.87 ERA. Obviously, Rodriguez uh, pitching for the Red Sox his whole career and then signed with Detroit in the offseason. Um, so, slightly familiar face. Maybe that will help out a little bit. Who knows? And then Thursday, day game, getaway day, 110. Uh, yes, uh, Jordan Montgomery will be on the bump. And he will be taking on to be announced my favorite pitcher of all time. So, um, Detroit, not sure where they're going yet with Thursday. Uh, survey would say probably screwable if he's good to go. Uh, who knows? So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is going to be an interesting series against Detroit. Not too, too sure um, what to kind of make of it at this point. Um, I think this is a good series for the for Garrett Cole to kind of get back on track. Um, yeah, I mean, Detroit's a decent team. I mean, this is a team that people kind of pinpoint as possibly a dark horse this year. Um, so, and the, look, their offense is really good overall still. Um, obviously, Cabrera's had a nice little start to the year for him. Five away from 3,000, yep. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so uh, the Yankees could allow that to happen. We might witness history on us. Uh, plus, uh, look, Spencer Torkelson's kind of coming on pretty good. Uh, and they got, obviously, you mentioned Baez, he's out. But they still have Akil Badu and, and good young players like that who are making a difference still. The thing is, when this six-game road trip started against right. the Orioles and Tigers, as mm-hmm. a Yankee fan or as a player, I mean, you would expect to at least take four of six. But I mean, the way it's going, like you, you might not, you might end up with three and three. Yeah, I was thinking this is probably going to be for sure a split in my mind. No. I don't know whether or not that actually happens, but I'm, I'm thinking a split one way or another. So, all right, before we get out of here, we need to discuss our. Uh, Farm squads, Rochester and Syracuse, certainly becoming uh, a tale of, of two teams for sure here. Uh, Rochester uh, post-Sunday, moving into the off day today, 7-5, and five, tied for third in the International League East. Uh, they split the series with Buffalo 3-3 three to three over the course of the last week. Um, offense as a whole looked really good. I mean, they, they had a couple booming wins, if you will, 11-10 uh, to 10 on Saturday, but 8-1 to one yesterday. Um, that offense is looking pretty good overall, all things considered. I mean, um, you have Luis Garcia, team leader in average at 377 right now. That's also sixth in the International League. And Nick Banks is 10th in the International League in average. So, um, you know, they're looking really good. Jake Knowles looked really good again. Uh, and then Josh Palacios uh, came on midway through the week uh, through an acquisition that the Nationals were able to get him. Um, quite literally, he's been on fire to start uh, his Rochester campaign, and uh, that is a bit of a pun. His uncle played in Rochester uh, back in the day, and actually still lives in Rochester as a city firefighter. Fun fact. So uh, the Red Wings are looking pretty, pretty good. Um, their pitching has been a little bit hit and miss, but that bullpen has been a very big bright spot for them overall. Uh, they had another really good outing yesterday. Uh, Sanchez only gave up a run, and then the bullpen pretty much came in and shut the door. Carl Edwards Jr. looked really good. Um, Clippers looked yeah, pretty Clip- good for the Cl- most part, but yeah, he did Cl- get rocked the other day. And uh, their their closer, who I forget to name off the top of my head, Hernandez, I believe, he's looked really good as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the Red Wings are trending in the right direction, I'd say. They're in a way better position than the Syracuse Yes. Yeah. 
So Rochester this week, obviously all minor leagues. Again, as we mentioned, off days on Mondays uh, to do the week-long series. They're in Lehigh Valley all week. Uh, that is the AAA affiliate for the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, some noble names you'll see there. Mark Apel, former top first overall draft pick who never signed with the Astros. Uh, he's been on the comeback tour uh, with the Phillies, so he's there. Uh, one-time Auburn Doubleday, Aaron Barrett, signed a minor league deal with the Phillies as he continues his comeback from two arm blowouts. Uh, it certainly would be a fantastic story to see him back in the big leagues, but uh, he's still rehabbing, and he's now with the Phillies organization, so he's there. Uh, Cambodrosian, Joe Gatto, who I always like mentioning just because of the name coincidence. And uh, Toe, Rodney Torres, is with Lehigh Valley to start the year. So um, this is a pretty decent Lehigh Valley team. I know they're they're sitting slightly below 500 right now at, at 5-6, and six, uh, but um, I, I would not sleep on them at the slightest. Um, they, they, they do have a little bit of a potent offense. I know uh, Rowan Quinn's still there uh, on offense. They have a couple guys, too, that, that – um, do have some big league experience and kind of have been stashed away on the forty man by the Phillies. So um, yeah, that that'll be a that, it will be a nice prove it series if you will for the Red Wings. Um, I would imagine it kind of be like the Buffalo series. I, I'd see a three three split possibly out of this. Yeah, because Buffalo is pretty good too. Yeah. So. Um, but either way, I mean, like I said, I mean this Rochester team compared to the past few years has been a nice breath of fresh air uh, for the folks going to Frontier Field. I'd say. Yeah, for sure. Then Syracuse Mets, uh, yeah, uh, they're one in ten. They're in the basement, tenth in the International League. He swept in Columbus. Uh, they, like I mentioned, they haven't won since Saturday, April 9th. Um, if there's any bright spots, it's got to be Mike Montgomery, team leading 3.0 ERA. Carlos Rincon is leading the team officially now at an average of 263. And that's not good. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's pretty apparent where um, the short falls of this team are probably going to lie uh obviously you know we kind of thought maybe pitching but pitching can only be sometimes as good as what you got going on on offense um the offense know. did look a little better i mean yeah they did i mean lose a and, and that's what i was always saying i mean Polka has seven rbis and then towards the end of that columbus series bling and horn and clearly kind of got going a little bit um, i think it was saturday they gave up 15 runs yeah. you can't win a game even no with, like no and that's the thing. I mean, their pitching, I think, does have some bright spots, like I said. And if anything, I do think the offense is going to be where they struggle now, more or less. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you give up 15 runs, it's, that's, that's a no-go. Um, and then this week, it does not get any easier. They are back home starting tomorrow at MBT Bank Stadium against the Wooster Red Sox, who are 9-3 and three on the young season, leading the International League East. So good chance they could fall to 1-16? I, I would imagine that they would get one. I would hope they get one at some point. I mean, baseball is that way, but I can't see a way that they win the series. Uh, Wooster's got a lot of good names on that roster. Darwin is, Darwin is, uh Hernandez, former big leaguer Derek Holland, uh, Josh Taylor's down there on rehab. This is where now we'll start seeing these names kind of pop up on rehab assignments, which is always an interesting thing at AAA and fun to see. Um, Jeter Downs, Jaron Duran, um, two of the main Red Sox prospects are, are officially at Wooster this year. So it'll be interesting to see there. And then, uh, as I call them, journeymen guys, Frankie Cordero, Rob Ref Snyder, former Yankee, and then Christian Stewart as well. So, uh, this is a this is a Woosock lineup that uh, and pitching staff that's 
pretty good for being a triple A roster, <laughs> all things considered. Uh, your main um, promo nights at, at Syracuse this year, Bark in the Park tomorrow, Buck Night on Thursday, where they're also honoring Donnie Baseball, uh, Don Johnson, who they will be naming the press box after in a ceremony Thursday night as well. And then Saturday is Mystery Bobblehead Day. First 1,000 fans going to Mystery Bobblehead. So Obviously, the weather kind of cooperates a little bit better. I know the, the forecast the whole week is not tremendous, but you never know. Um, but, yeah, the Syracuse teams, it's rough. I, I, I'd imagine, like I said, I'd, I'd like to imagine they get a win in this series, but I don't see them taking the series by any means. Yeah, it's rough. But, I mean, you could still go out to the ballpark mm-hmm. and, you know, have a good time. And right. It's baseball still, but. Yeah. If you're a Syracuse Mets fan, yeah, it's pretty rough. Yeah. All right, so that pretty much does it here uh, for Concrete Jungle today. Uh, we will be live again Thursday at 11 a.m. for our pretty much the weekend preview, as we kind of call it at this point. Uh, if you guys aren't able to catch us live here on YouTube, you can always check us out after on YouTube and also Spotify and Anchor. You can listen there. And then, as always, for Kyle Evans and everybody at Finger Lakes 1, I'm Paul Russo. We will see you, what? Yeah, Thursday. See you then. Take care, everybody. Mm